Hey everyone, this is Flippin' Finance. I'm Sam Moore, and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Hello, hello. Today is March 14th, 2023, and we are continuing with our lingering questions around Silicon Valley Bank and the implications for the broader market and you. If you want an overview of just SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, then listen to our last recording. Today we're going to focus on broader themes. With that, Fabian, kick the disclosure music. None of this is investment advice and does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer, Paleo Financial Advisors, or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only. And things change, so we have no duty to go back and revise any of this information. With that out of the way, Fabian, what's on your mind? Oh my gosh, a lot of things. The world ending. (laughs) The the world ending. I I went, um, I I took all my money out of the bank yesterday. And you put it in a mattress. And I put it under our mattress and then in a shoebox and I dug a hole in the backyard and put it in there. Great. Perfect. You're doing per your advice. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) what I said. Do you think think anybody did that? I'm sure they did. Right. I think the person that would have done that has already done it. True. They're kind of an off the grid type of person. Yeah. Which is fitting because I just finished the Last of Us, which had an entire episode about off the grid person, it was a great episode. Okay, for all you Last of Us watchers, there you go. It's episode three. I haven't, okay. Okay. I haven't um, spoiled anything. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I say let's get into it. And you know, obviously, we had the big news with SVB uh, that happened last week. We dropped the emergency episode. So, can you give us just a reminder of what exactly happened with SVB? Yeah. So, Silicon Valley Bank was a bank. It failed in rapid fashion last week and over the weekend. And the impetus, quick summary of what happened is it had a lot of concentrated depositors, startups and venture capitalists, and they got a ton of deposits in and they went and bought long-term bonds with that. And then because of startup land needing money and they can't really raise money, they started pulling all their deposits out of Silicon Valley Bank. And pretty much they had bad risk management and started a run on the bank and they went kaput incredibly quickly because of poor risk management, poor messaging to the market, and just having concentrated deposit risk. They went kaput really quickly. Wow. And then any uh, any updates up from over the weekend? Yeah. So Friday, and this is March 14th. Because we recorded Friday. Our- okay, sorry. Yeah, we recorded our last episode on Sunday. On Friday, the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, took over SVB and they were trying to find a buyer for the asset. So I don't think we have a buyer for the Silicon Valley Bank assets yet, but the big news was Silicon Valley Bank had a lot of uninsured deposits, meaning uh, amounts above $250,000. So definitely first world problems, first world 1% problems, having too much money in the bank and Uh, FDIC, the U.S. Treasury, and the government doesn't want anyone else to really panic about their deposit money. So they've come out and pretty much guaranteed that 
any amounts above 250,000 will be guaranteed as well as safe. Now, normally it's at just everything 250 and below is considered 100% sure. Got it. That's, you said that's from FDIC. So what what is FDIC insurance? Yeah, FDIC insurance started back in the 1930s. So this was kind of the first digital bank run in a way. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank had roughly 25% of its deposits leave in one day. Now that that's just wow that that could not have happened back in the 1930s, but there's a movie about it. We referenced it last time. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey kind of explains how you stop a bank run and what a bank run is. But people would hear that all the money's leaving the bank, and they would physically go to the bank and ask for the money back. And then their neighbor would see that, and then their other neighbor would see that, and it would start a good old fashioned bank run because banks have an issue where they lend out the money or they buy assets with a depositor money and they don't have everyone's money sitting in the bank because they've got to cover costs. They've got to um, make loans. That's what a bank does. So after a bunch of bank failures in the Great Depression, uh, FDIC insurance came out and was pretty much, we guarantee any balance by the government, 100%, $250,000 and below, your money will always be good. So people like you and me are never worried about I don't know about you. You know, I know you're you're a big flyer Fabian. But for me, anything below $250,000, I'm not worried about it. You know, I'm not going to go, "Oh no, Silicon Valley Bank's under. Do I need to pull my money out and put it in the mattress too?" Because that, that's just not good for the economy. You as much as people hate banks and uh, apparently really misunderstand how banking works, you need money in the bank so the bank can make loans, facilitate the economy. It is uh, it is a really important part to how the economy grows. Uh, the banking system. Got it. Okay. And so, so FDIC insurance covers anybody with 250K and under, but with what happened just kind of over the weekend is they're deciding to cover, kind of make whole the depositors that were with SVB, which is over. You know, some of these people had much more than $250,000 in SVB, right? Exactly. So why did they do that? Yeah, so they didn't want a contagion effect to happen. So you can think of banking as like a classroom. You've got the big regulator up up front who's kind of keeping everybody in line. And you can think of the bigger, what they would call, uh, uh, it's called SIFI. It's like uh, systematically important financial institutions, if I'm getting that right off the top of my head. They're sitting up front in the front of the classroom. So that's your really big banks like JP Morgan, Wells Fargo. They're up front. They have a ton of scrutiny, ton of regulation around them. Well, as you get smaller, those regulations are a little bit less because it's costly to keep up with all those. So they're trying to create a uh, fair playing field with other banks. Silicon Valley Bank was a regional bank. So they're kind of like in the middle of the classroom in a way. And then you've got smaller banks behind them all the way in the back classroom. They're not watching them as much uh, per se. It's costly for the, the teacher to go back there and monitor everything because remember they got to keep track of the, the big guys up front and then you have smaller institutions behind them as well so if you're sitting in the classroom and somebody just starts sneezing and getting sick oh no exactly that was silicon valley bank in a way so what happens when that kid is sick is you kind of go oh no who else is sick around that kid mm-hmm. in a way so that is contagion effect and what happened to Silicon Valley Bank technically could happen to almost any other bank. So if 
I'm not going to name any names, but another regional bank, if all their depositors went, oh no, our money isn't technically insured, we've got more than 250 in there, we need to start pulling our money out. That creates the contagion effect and you've got another effective bank run. Oh, so the reason people would pull their money out is not necessarily that maybe they're afraid for other factors. It's the fact that they've seen this kind of gap in the system where I haven't thought about this before. Now all of my excess cash above 250 is not insured. Right? Yeah. And, so, that, and that goes to like small businesses. Uh, I'm not allowed to say anymore. I said that <laughs> too many times. So I got to take a shot for that. But like small businesses, corporations, other people do have money in the bank above the $250,000 limit. And you could just see them going, well, I've got to diversify my bank. Uh, now, there are there's like one easy solution to this, and it's called Insured Cash Sweep, ICS. So you can find a, a bank out there that uses ICS, and what that does is effectively raise your FDIC insurance insurance to hundred $100 million per account. One hundred yes. million dollars. Yeah, one hundred million. The, the Doctor Evil. One hundred million. And what they do is they they only keep two hundred fifty thousand dollars on that bank's balance sheet, and then overnight they send it out to other partner banks. Only two hundred fifty thousand dollars at each partner bank. So it's not technically sitting on the bank's balance sheet um, overnight. So you're insured for way more than two fifty. It's a very easy thing to do. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank could have done that, but it costs money. I'm not 100% sure how much it costs, but there is a cost to it. And does that cost the bank money or the depositor money? The bank. The bank, okay. Cost the bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Got think because you have to pay into the program and things like that. And logistically, you're sweeping millions, billions of dollars of money out overnight. It's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And so back to this point in, 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 into like why they fully insured these these people. We were getting on the fact of, of contagion. We didn't want to see bank runs on other people. So is that the, the reason it was just to kind of quell the the, the potential storm of, of people going and, and making a bank run on other institutions? 100%. That, that's my understanding. That That's why they went and did it. They didn't want other people to panic, start pulling their money out, start moving things around. They, you know, the, the banking system needs calm, understanding and confidence in its institutions. And that's my understanding of why they did it is they don't want anyone else Think, sitting here thinking, um, well, shoot, do I need to move my money? Because if I need to move my money and then it starts another bank run and another bank run and this vicious cycle, they're like, we have to just stop this now. And they think the best way to do that is to, no, my understanding is like, it's implicitly guaranteed. It's not like they've changed the rules, but based on what they're saying, they're not going to let this happen to any other bank by like kind of stamping it out now. Mm. And as of, Tuesday morning, it's 8.54 a.m. here on the East Coast. Um, did, did that work? Like, have there, you know, have you seen from what you've seen, has, has there been any other, um, because there was another bank that that kind of uh, signature bank or something that was involved in this too, right? That the government yes. took over. Yeah, so that signature bank was a little bit more unique. It was involved in crypto, to my understanding. And they just, Signature Bank had the same type of structure. I've done as much work on Signature Bank as I've done on Silicon Valley Bank, but my understanding is they had the similar structure. And the federal government just came in 
and like you, you the regulars are like, you have the same problem we're just gonna try to shut you down like you're you're screwed too now that that's what happened over the weekend on monday it was interesting watching the market because a lot of other regional bank stocks remember the contagion that one sick kid mm-hmm. some of the other regional bank stocks sold off really heavily in the, in that regard so we're seeing it but what was interesting is the market wasn't really down it was just financials and bank stocks so it's the market trying to recalibrate who is like the strong players in this market uh, all these banks have like a little bit different of of a business model which is totally fine but the market's trying to suss out like is anyone next mm-hmm. um, like for mm-hmm. example first republic bank is under a lot of pressure yesterday i'm not sure what's going to happen today i haven't i haven't read up on them so that's where it kind of goes it's like okay silicon valley bank who else is like them oh signature's already dead looks like first republic is similar but first republic looks like it made a deal with jp morgan to help it meet its liquidity needs so maybe it'll be good uh, damn it that's a second shot um, <laughs> um so th- that's what's happening Okay. And and so now that this precedent has been set where FDIC has kind of insured these depositors over 250K, what does that mean for other banks? Like what implications does it have for them? Pretty much they just need to ride out this storm. That's the implication is you have to, what's funny is if, if like your bank CEO comes out and is like, we are 100% good. Uh, there's not a run on this bank. <laughs> we, we are, we're great, which is what the Silicon Valley bank CEO did like last Thursday, like we're good, but stop taking your money out. (laughs) (laughs) So like the implications for other banks is like, they got to ride out the storm. I I believe the federal reserve is, is going to back them from any liquidity needs that they'll, they'll have. Uh, That's why the federal reserve is, is next to God in the financial system because it can almost do anything uh, within within the monetary system. Is there a scenario where banks can deny people from taking their money out or the federal government can come in and say, hey, no one is allowed to like take their money out? Where banks can deny people taking their money out? Well, like let's say over a certain amount, right? Like if they're just like, hey, you can't move over a certain amount so that, you know, we don't collapse. Sometimes. The, the if, financial if it's a check, system. if it... Yeah, sometimes it depends on the on the bank account type. So like a checking savings account, it's like written in there. You can get that whenever you want. Now there's like some money markets that we talked about before that offer a higher yield. Those will have different stipulations around how many transfers you can make. Mm-hmm. So that's how they'll, they'll do it in a way. But it's not in the bank's best interest to be like, no, you can't take the money out. There's just like pre-written rules where it's yeah. like, you can only make so many transfers uh, in there. And then like the bank doesn't want to do that because it's not good business. Well, you know me. I like to get conspiracy on this show. And I'm just thinking of the worst case scenario where banks are just like, yeah, you you can't take your money right now. But, well, it's kind of what happened to Silicon Valley Bank because they said they ran out of money. <laughs> True that. Um, Okay, so what do I do now? What do I do with my portfolio? Do I do anything? Do I do something? Well, the big thing that's happening right now, and taking a step back from your portfolio, is interest rates are dropping. So if you just bought a house, obviously this is not a recommendation, recommendation, work with your other advisors, but if you just got a 7% mortgage, mortgages are way lower. So when a panic like this happens, 
most market participants like run into and go buy U.S. Treasuries. When you buy U.S. Treasury, interest rates go down. It's an inverse uh, relationship there. So interest rates are much lower. Mortgages used to be 7%. I'm seeing some in the fives now. So I would consider if you just bought a house, is it worth the money to refinance real quick? Could be. I don't know. I don't know your situation. I don't know you. But that's one thought. The other thought is for your portfolio on the taxable side, you could tax loss harvest. That's a really easy thing to do. So if you own like a bank stock for whatever reason, or if you own uh, a financial ETF that's gotten hit really hard, you can sell that, take the loss, and you can buy something else that you'll hope will bounce back type of mm. thing. So it's a really easy thing to do in your portfolio that's a little bit more active, but you're, you're not making like a huge bet. You're just trying to take advantage of like what's going on. Okay. Um, so kind of anything that should be on, on our radar, on my radar, kind of looking out for this week in terms of what can come in the wake of all of this? So I think the, the interesting thing that we that'll probably happen from my standpoint is we were talking about the, the Federal Reserve raising rates uh, a lot more to continue battling inflation. I bet for the next month or so, inflation is going to take a back burner to the Federal Reserve's concerns. You know, they want to make sure the banking system's good. And that means interest rates might not be continuing to rise as fast, which could be good for the economy type thing. So it's like bad news is good news because that means interest rates won't go up as much. So that'll be good for the economy. So it'll keep growing. So that could be good for stocks. But then again, the banking system could blow up. I don't think it will. But that's just what like somebody who's sitting here. So it's kind of like a flywheel going around. And then you're like, wait, and then starts going back the other way. Wait, oh and you kind of <laughs> good news is bad news. Bad news is good news. News is news. <laughs> it's the truest yeah. thing you've said all day. Thank you. News yeah. is news. <laughs> news is news. If you got anything out of this, news is news. It's probably not there to really inform you. It's just there to scare you. Unlike this great podcast. That's right. That is right. That's all I've got on my mind today. Anything else on your mind? Uh, no, nothing. Nothing for me. Well, great. Well, with that, we can close it out. If you're enjoying this, please subscribe, share, and rate the podcast. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. 